0: I knew something didn't look right, you know what I mean? <laughs> so anyway, well, good morning. Welcome to Crossroads. We are excited that you're here again. Let me highlight a couple of things uh, that are important to you to know this morning. Uh, and one of those is it's hard for me to believe that uh, we have scheduled two newcomers luncheon and we have luncheons and we have had minimal sign up. That's never happened before. But here's what I know. We're in a kind of a season now where people are not staying at home like they were and they're spending their money to go places. So making a commitment after church is something that a lot of people are not willing to do. So what we did is we're going to move the the newcomers lunch that was today into the month of June. So again, just know that it will be in June, and there was only one person that had scheduled to come today. It's going to be in June. I'm going to do it in June, and then we'll skip July and August, and we'll pick back up in September. So just know that it's not going to happen today. We did put that on social media so that you would know that. Also, let me say this, next weekend is Memorial Day weekend, and with that being said, we will be here. So if you are in town, and we can already tell a lot of people are out of town, because lots of people told me, hey, we're going to Florida, Go. Have a good time. Just come back. Okay, so that's what we're saying to you. We want you to enjoy your time and, and take the, the summer uh, and have a great time by doing the things that you want to do with your family and with your friends. Also, and let me say with that in mind, when you are going to be gone, it is so important that you remember to do and be faithful with your giving. Most of you in this uh, service are, but again, we count on you and we want to continue to do what God has called us to do. So if you're going to be gone, make sure that you make, fix it where it'll happen so, again, we can continue to go through the summer and get back into the fall because that's when things pick back up for us. Let me say this. For those that might not be aware, we, are, we wrapped up the Social Dilemma series a couple of weeks ago, and last weekend was Mother's Day. So that means today and next week we are not in a series, but that's a good thing for me. Because for the next two weeks, today and next week, it's going to give me an opportunity to talk to you about some things that I've kind of had on my mind uh, over the last couple of years. And again, because here's what's interesting. If you've ever seen my computer, you would know that on my desktop, there are probably hundreds of files that I create based on things that people say, ask, or tell me. And again, some of the things that you say, some of the things that you ask, some of the things that you comment about are actually the catalyst for me uh, developing a series or talking about something individually. And today's going to be a little bit different. I'm just going to tell you that straight up. For those that are joining us online, let me welcome you. Sorry, because uh, the whole table thing just, I just, I looked up here and I was like, something's wrong. Something's not right. I'm so used to those guys taking care of that. But anyway, it's all right. We're good. But today's going to be different even other than that. Uh, It's going to be a little bit different format because if you had looked at my computer, you would see all these files, and all these files have a name. And what's really interesting is this. Uh, I come in contact with people before, after, during service out in town, and, and one of the things that people ask me a lot, one of the comments that I get, is about prayer. And so several years ago, I went onto my desktop, and I created a file, and I named that file Prayer. And what I have done is that as I have talked to you, and you have spoken to me and commented to me and questioned me, I have taken those comments and questions and the things that you have said, and I have put them into question form if they weren't already in question form, and I deposited those into that file on my computer that said Prayer. And it's really interesting because lots of people have lots of questions about prayer. But here's the thing I want you to hear me say this morning. One of the things that I have started to notice is that when people have questions about faith and about God and about Jesus, it's really interesting because people are oftentimes embarrassed when it comes to asking questions. You, you, you just feel like, kind of as a follower of Jesus, maybe you're new, maybe you're older. But again, the, th- the thing that we feel is that when we have a question, we're kind of embarrassed to actually ask somebody the question because we feel like we already should know the answer to the question. So there's that level of thinking that since you don't know, you feel ashamed. Or that your questions are like, you know, elementary kind of school questions. But, I, but, I'm, but I'm here to tell you. When you have questions, especially questions about faith and about God and about Jesus, you just need to open up. You need to open up so that you can find the answers to those questions. Because let me tell you, many times those questions and the answer to those questions are great catalysts when it comes to you and I growing in our faith And growing in our relationship with God, even our relationship with other people. Because, see, here's the thing. I think it's amazing that God has invited us into this day-to-day communion and relationship with Him. And I I think that invitation is actually found in prayer. That's what prayer is all about. Listen, prayer is not about what you can get from God. But prayer is really about how close you can get to God. It's really like prayer is what I call this unbroken stream. It's something that we should be doing all the time. It's not like, well, I'm praying now, I'm working now, I'm praying now, I'm on my computer now, I'm praying now. That's not the way prayer works. That's not it at all. See, I don't think that's the way that prayer works. So talking about prayer, and when we talk about prayer and unceasing prayer and praying about everything, it it, kind of has us moving out of this mindset of, of just being that individual that prays one time a day. Some people pray one time a day, and they pray right before they go to bed. And let me just say, there's nothing wrong with you and your prayer life and praying before you go to bed. But here's the beauty of today. I think when we get to the end of today and we're finished with today, you're going to have different insights into prayer. You're going to see prayer in a different way. And that means that you're going to be able to take what we talk about today and you can actually apply the things that we're talking about into your life and it will make a difference in your life. But again, I told you, or maybe I didn't tell you, today's going to be a little different format than what I normally do. It's actually kind of like a question and answer, where I'm going to take the questions that you have proposed to me throughout the years, and I made a note of the question that you asked me, and then I pulled those out because I wanted to address those questions And the answers to those questions today. So I've got six or eight questions here that, again, they come from you and what you have asked. And we're just going to look at the answers to them. So, again, here's the very first question. The question is this. Are we commanded to always pray at a meal? Are we commanded to always pray before we eat? Now, let let, let me me say this. My wife and I uh, went to McAllister's on Friday. Can I just tell you something? If you're looking for a great place to eat with a good patio and a little bit of music outside, McAllister's has a great patio. So, again, I just love it. I go there. There's usually not many people out there, if anybody at all. So I told my wife, I said, why don't we just meet? We'll meet early. We'll eat early, and we'll go to McAllister's. So we went to McAllister's. We ordered, we got our number, and I told the, the, the guy who took our order, I said, we'll be sitting out on the patio. Sometimes if you don't tell them that, they're searching all over. They forget you're out there. So, so anyway, I'm, I'm sitting out there. I've got my number there uh, on my little thing you know, so they'll know who, who I am and where, where my food goes, and, and, and I'm sitting there. And, and the door opens, and another couple comes out. They come out, and they sit at the table right next to us. They get their number and they put it on the little stand so that the, the waiters can, can see or the, the food deliverers can, sa- can see the, you know, who they are and what food goes there. They sit down. They never say anything to each other and they both get on their phones. No conversation, just the most awkward kind of weirdness. But I'm kind of looking at them because, you know, I mean, the funny thing about being in the church world is that when you're in the church world, there are lots of people that come and go. They just come and go. And I kind of think, I know these people, but I'm not sure I know these people. But anyway, so I'm watching them. They're not talking. They're, walk- they're on their phone. Uh, I'm talking with my wife. I mean, she's having to take care of some business stuff, but we're talking, and uh, they're just on their phone. My food comes, we start to eat, we didn't pray. Their food comes, they put down their phones, and they pray. They hadn't even talked to each other. And they put down their phones, and they pray. And can I just tell you, I'm going to be honest with you, today is authentic and honest, it's transparent. Randy, let me just tell you, this is so transparent. He prayed the most awkward, long prayer at a table. It made me uncomfortable. And I was like, dude, okay. I mean, I was like, man, the Holy Ghost is going to fall on us, and I'm going to be slain in the Spirit right here on the, on the patio. <laughs> Guess what happened? He said amen. Started eating, picked back up his phone. They hardly ever talked. And, and again, I'm observant. I watch that kind of stuff. So the question is this. Should we always pray before we eat? Now, let, let, let's be honest with you because I know some people are joining online because, again, the, the, the holiday season has already begun. Some people are watching online. And let me just tell you right up front that the questions I'm going to answer today are from my perspective, what I believe we find in Scripture based on my perspective. You don't have to go with what I say. You don't have to believe what I say. This is me answering your questions very authentically and very personally. Should we always pray before we eat? No. Now, I'm not a heretic. Just hold on. Should we pray before we eat? Not not really. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with praying before your meal. I do think it's a good idea to pray before your meal. And most of the time, but not every time before a meal, I will pray. I just don't always pray out loud. But praying before the meal is a good thing. But let me, let me help you understand and look at this in a different way. I don't see people praying before they put gas in their car. I have yet to be at Kroger and see somebody pull out their bank card, stick the nozzle in the tank, and then say, can we just have a moment of prayer here before we put the gas in the car? Lord, can you bless this gasoline? Lord, would you just bless the gasoline, and I thank you, God, for the gasoline? God, I thank you for the hands that prepared the gasoline. And God, may it bless and may it nurture my car in Jesus' name. I don't ever see anybody doing that. I have never been to J. Crew, standing at the cash register and looked at the person who was checking me out and said, Dwayne, can we just stop just a minute and have a word of prayer before you ring these items up? Lord, we just thank you today. Thank you for the suit for the shirt, the tie, and God, thank you for the the, the shoes that I got. They were were 50% off. God, I bless you for giving me that discount. And God, I just pray, would you bless the person who sold all this stuff and put it together, and we pray in Jesus' name. I never have seen anybody do that. And see, you laugh about that, and you think about that, And you have to understand, I'm not trying to be funny. But you might say, well, Randy, the reason we pray before a meal is because Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. So we just need to thank him for the bread. We need to thank him for the food. And see, you're actually referring to the model prayer that Jesus gave us, the Lord's Prayer. But is that really what the model prayer is all about? And the answer to that is no. The model prayer that Jesus gave us was actually about you and I developing a thankful attitude for what God has given us, those things that sustain us day to day in our lives. That's what the model prayer is actually all about. It's actually about a a lifestyle of prayer. It's about a lifestyle of community where we develop this habit of just Praying about everything. And I'm not there yet. I'll just tell you. I'm trying to get there. So do you have to pray before every meal? In my opinion, no. Not really. It's a good thing to pray before a meal. But it's more actually about being thankful to God in all things. Here's the second question. How do I hear from God? How do I hear God's voice? And and, and I'm going to bring that home specifically as we talk about prayer, because it's a great question. It's a great question because I want you to understand, I know that lots of people are new to the faith. And being new to the faith, you can be around some of us older Christians and you hear us say things, well, you know, I, I feel like God told me that I need to change jobs. I feel like God told me that I, I need to, to, to get out of this relationship and I need to start dating so-and-so. And you hear people say that, that God is telling them something. So if God is telling them, that means they have to be hearing God and you start to wonder, well, how does that work? Is God sending them a text message? Is God sending them an email? Is it a dream? Is it a vision? Or are they actually hearing his voice? Again, let me tell you. To me, hearing God's voice is a process. I believe that hearing the voice of God is a process. And more importantly, what I believe, hearing the voice of God is a process of time. It takes time to be able to hear God's voice. I don't think it takes years to hear God's voice. But there is a degree of being able to hear the voice of God, and that actual hearing comes with time. I mean, I mean, think about it like this. There are certain people in your life, like in my life, that when you call them or they call you, they don't have to introduce themselves. I mean, again, think about it like this. When I call my wife, I never tell her who I am. I never say, hey, Ginny Lee, this is Randy Cook, your husband. I never have to say that. I don't have to introduce myself to my wife when I call her. But on the flip side of that, have you ever had somebody call you, and when they called you, they thought you knew who they were? And you're just like me, I'm continuing to like prime the pump because I got no idea? It's awkward. So the process, to me, of being able to hear the voice of God begins right here. It begins in the Bible god's word again hear what i'm saying to me prayer is inseparably linked to the word of god i mean think about it they don't call this the word of god because it's a catchy phrase it's called the word of god because when god talked listen 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 this is what came out of his mouth the bible is a confident record of the things that God has said. Look at 1 Peter 1, verse 24 and 25. The Scriptures say, Humans wither like grass, and their glory fades like wildflowers. Grass dries up, and flowers fall to the ground. But what the Lord has said will stand forever. Our good news to you is what the Lord has said. So here's the thing. I think God's word and prayer must be linked. Reading God's word and prayer in my life it's just the same. It's one and the same. It's never okay I'm I'm reading God's word now, I'm praying now, I'm reading God's word now, I'm praying now. But see what happens for me. It's when I pick up God's Word, I'm asking, God, speak to me. Lord, speak to me. Guide me, direct me, strengthen me, even as I read the words that you have given me. Lord, speak to me through your Word because I, your servant, need to hear your voice. So to me, prayer and God's word are inseparably linked, connected to the word of God. It takes time. But listen, if you really want to hear God's voice, you have to get in to God's word. Look at the next question. It's actually two questions. Kind of one question, but two. Who should I pray to? Or, if I ask anything in Jesus' name, will he do it? Look at John 14, verse 13. And I will do whatever you ask, this is Jesus, in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. Jesus is basically saying, you ask anything in my name, I'm going to do it and some people especially new people to the faith read that and they think cool. I can ask anything in Jesus name and he's going to do it. As long as I tag Jesus name on the end of it, it's like my Google password, you know, face recognition, you know who I mean like I'm going to get it. That's what a lot of people think. But let me ask you have you ever been in one of those life and death situations and you really needed Jesus to answer your prayer and you prayed the prayer and you said, it, you said it at the end and you tagged it in Jesus' name and you didn't get it? Come on now. Sure, you have. Because, see, here's the thing. If you had tagged every prayer that you have prayed Within, with Jesus, within Jesus' name at the end of it, and every prayer that you had prayed was answered because you prayed it in Jesus' name, it was given to you just like you asked for it, I would have already heard about you. Because you would have been on the cover of Time magazine. Everybody would have heard of you. But what we have to understand is when he says in my name, he's not talking about you and I putting his name at the end of our prayers like we're going to use it as as some password. The context is for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of everything that his agenda is about, all his purposes, all his plans. That's why I'm asking this prayer. Jesus, I, I'm, I'm praying for your purposes and your will to move forward. That's what this is about. It's about beginning with the idea that when I pray, I want the the, the will and the way of Jesus to move forward. I love the way the believer's com- commentary puts it. Look, 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 look behind me. To ask in Jesus' name is not simply to insert his name at the end of the prayer. It's to ask in accordance with his mind and his will. It is to ask for those things which glorify God. It's about him, not about you. It's about his will and his way, not about your will or your way. And again, I realize that could be clear as mud to some of you, but I hope it gives you a little clarity, because I believe that's one of the most important questions that people have misunderstood, and it's one of those questions that I get on a regular basis. L- look at the next question, and let me let me just say this, because we, we're going to dive into this next question, and I just really need you to track with me on this one, because It's really, really important because I'm going to throw something out there that's going to sound a little weird, but I think it's really going to help you. Here's the question. How do I deal with a mind that wanders while I pray? Anybody got that going on? I mean, you get up in the morning fresh out of bed, and you're you're like, I got to do it in the morning because I can pray. My mind is clear. And the moment you start praying, your mind starts going 50 different directions. Here's what I suggest you do. When you start praying, take with you a pad and a pencil. That's what I said, exactly what I said. Have a pad and a pencil. Now, some of you think, well, do you want me to journal the prayers? And and some people kind of wonder, well, if you're journaling, is that kind of like keeping score with God where he made a column, where you make a column for prayers that are answered and prayers that aren't answered? Uh, That's not what I'm talking about. Again, you know that I love journaling. And if that's something that you want to do in your prayer time, then do that. But that's not what I'm talking about. It's not what I'm talking about at all. But the thing I'm telling you this morning is that to have a pen and pad near you when you start praying. Why would I tell you that? Because I believe there's a good chance that God's going to speak to you. I believe when God speaks, you want to be able to write that down. You have heard His voice, and you want to be able to write that down. It's important to be able to have something to write that down on and to write that down with. Let me, let me tell you why that's important, because here's what you may not know. Over the years, we have been blessed here at Crossroads to have lots of talented people on this stage. And what you probably do not know is that we have had some people that you have seen on this stage write number one hits. They're number one on the charts for different artists. Some of them were their own artists. Because some of you will remember, some of you don't know, that Brian Kelly and Tyler Hubbard, Florida Georgia Line, whether you like you know, that kind of music or not, they led worship here. They were both on this stage. And they have both put together number one hits. And the reason why I tell you this is not to brag, but to help you understand that one of the things that songwriters key in on, some of the best advice that they give is to always write it down or you'll forget it. Always have something to write it down on so you don't forget it. I mean, think about it. How many number one songs have been forgotten because somebody couldn't write it down in the car? How many number one songs have been forgotten because somebody thought about it in the middle of the night and then they didn't take the time to write it down? Now, let me say, some of you don't even need to worry about this because you're not worried about God talking to you in prayer because for you, prayer is all about you talking to God. You're not even expecting God to speak to you. In other words, you'd be one of those people that says, you know what, I don't need the pen and paper. God needs the pen and paper. God, you need to have your pen and paper because I'm about to talk to you. But here's the thing I'm telling you. When you pray, you should be expecting, go into prayer expecting God to speak to you. And I'll tell you, pen paper two columns one for the column the the first column would be the things that God is speaking to you the second column is for the things that bug you you know when your mind wanders because it's going to wander So, you have this one column over here where you're talking to God and God is speaking to you and you're writing things down that God is speaking to you. And then you have the other column where, you know, in between where God is speaking to you and you're reading your scripture or you're reading your devotion, your mind is wondering, uh, you know, out in Deep Space Nine, do we need to clean the gutters this week? Oh, well, write it down. Now, again, it sounds crazy. But you have a list of what God is speaking and you have a list of the things that are bugging you. Do, Do I need to clean out the gutters? Do I have to get my oil changed? Do I need to call my uncle? Okay, I'm gonna write that down. Call Uncle Joe this week. I'm gonna write it down right here. See, here's the thing. It's a cool thing. Because when you write down what God has spoken to you and the things that your mind has been wandering and you're wondering about, wandering and wondering, you're gonna come out of your prayer time with God. I know it sounds crazy. You're going to come out with all the things that God has spoken to you. And you're going to have your to-do list done at the same time. So just go ahead and write it down. When you pray, take a pen and paper when you can. Here's the next question. If prayer is constant communion, do I really need to set aside a time where I can be alone with God? And the answer to that question, from my perspective, is yes. Because that's what Jesus did. I mean, think about it. He was certainly in constant communion with the Father. Look at, look at Luke chapter 9, verse 18. Once when Jesus was praying in solitude and the disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do, that should be do, who do the crowds say that I am? That just tells me that there are times that I need to withdraw from the rat race and the activity of life. I need to withdraw so that I am totally available to him. There are times when I need to withdraw so that I can take my spiritual roots and I could put them down deep into the soil. So we need to be intentional when it comes to there being a time and a place that we spend in prayer. Because I believe that is crucial to a healthy prayer life. That's what you need to know. The short answer is yes. You need to set a time and you need to set a place where you pray. Look at the next question. This is where a lot of people struggle. Can I really pray what I feel? Can I really honestly pray what I feel? See, I think many of us have gotten to be like the Pharisees, and we feel like we need to pray sanitized prayers. But in that whole idea of praying a sanitized prayer to God, we sometimes need to realize that we're probably more like this guy in the Old Testament named Jeremiah. And and what's really interesting is this. Jeremiah lived in a very immoral time like we do. And God wanted to use Jeremiah to help turn the country around. Because here's the thing, if they don't turn around, God said to Jeremiah, I'm going to bring judgment down on those people. So, Jeremiah got and received the assignment from God. But nobody would listen to Jeremiah. Every time he speaks, they just make fun of him. Every time Jeremiah would speak, they just laughed at him. They tell Jeremiah, get out, just beat it, get out of here. And Jeremiah goes to God and says, God, what do you want me to do? So God says to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house. I'm not talking about T.D. Jakes' church. Go down to the potter's house, that's where T.D. Jakes gets the name, and watch the potter work the clay. God tells Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house and watch the potter work the clay on the wheel. So Jeremiah goes down to the potter's house and he, he watches the, the potter with the clay on the wheel, working the clay, and, and he gets probably a little bit into it. And all of a sudden, you know what the potter does? He takes the clay off of the wheel and he mashes it and he starts over. And God says, Jeremiah, that's what I want you to go tell the people. That's what I want you to go tell the people. Go tell the people exactly what you saw at the potter's house. So Jeremiah does it. And here's the message. You used to be good clay, and God was using you. But now you're turning into bad clay And God is going to mash you up if you don't take another course. And, you know, you can expect people didn't like that mashed up message. So they throw Jeremiah out and they want to shut him up for good. So God says to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, go down to the market. Go down to the market and get a big vase. And hold that vase high above your head. And tell the people, if you don't repent and humble yourself before your God, you're going to be like this vase. And God told Jeremiah to take the vase and to smash it on the ground. And he did. And the people didn't like that. So they beat Jeremiah up and they humiliated him and they put him in chains outside of the city gate. So think about that. Jeremiah has a problem. And who does Jeremiah have a problem with? He has a problem with God because he had been doing exactly what God had told him to do. He says, God, I was just doing my part. God, I was doing my part of the deal. I was doing what you told me to do. And he's angry. More importantly, what we have to understand is Jeremiah was angry with God. So what would you say he should do? What would you recommend that Jeremiah does? Because think about it, what do you do when the roof caves in on you? What do you do when the roof caves in on your life? How do you respond when your marriage goes south? Or what do you do when you find out that you're the one that has cancer? What do you do when you lose your job? And it just happens out of nowhere. What do you do when you go home after church today and somebody has broken into your house? I mean, think about it. What do you do when you develop a resentment toward God? And that develops out of a sense that God has done you wrong. That God has been unfair to you. That somehow in your life, God has let you down. Because see, many times people think that when something bad happens in life and the roof caves in, so to speak, They have this idea that they need to protect God. So they pretend that even though things in their life are going bad, it's going to be okay. And can I just tell you, if that's the way you respond, in a way, in my opinion, you're wearing a badge of spiritual superiority. Trying to say that even though the roof has caved in on my life, I'm still good. I'm still good. Things are still good. I had a friend who was working with a family whose 16-year-old son had been killed in a car wreck. And he said, Randy, they were saying things like, well, you know, God must have needed him more than we did. Now think about that. You've lost your 16-year-old son in a car wreck. And you're saying something like, well, God must have needed him more than we do. And and you hear somebody say that. And my friend told me, he said, Randy, I just couldn't believe that. He said, I couldn't believe them because there was some protecting that they were doing there. And he said, I just know, I just knew that their pain of losing their son, was going to show up later. And when it showed up, it was going to be awful. Because see, when some people in their life, when the roof caves in, you know what they do? They they just don't ever trust God again. They get spiritually numb. And they'll say things in response to what's happened In their life, like, I was a fool to believe. I was a fool to ever believe in that Jesus stuff. I was a fool to ever believe in that nonsense. Because here's the thing people do lots of things to cope when the roof falls in. But how would Jeremiah respond? He prayed. And when Jeremiah prayed, he didn't pray this sanitized prayer. It wasn't, a, it wasn't an edited prayer, it was a painfully honest prayer that he prayed. And here's what, here's what he said He said, God, you deceived me. I'm a laughingstock. My speaking for you has resulted in disaster. Nobody knows what I'm going through. They're all waiting for me to fail. Look at how he concludes his prayer. Cursed be the day that I was born. May the day my mother bore me not be blessed. Now look at what you see on the screen behind me. Because you know what that tells me? it tells me that there was something that Jeremiah realized when it came to the character of God. He was so convinced of God's character. He was so convinced of God's love and understanding way. He was so convinced that God was a safe place, that God was a safe person, that he could risk praying an open and honest prayer to him. Because he knew that God was interested in all of his feelings. Where are you? Are you convinced, like Jeremiah, of the character of God? Because, see, my friend that did the funeral for that 16-year-old boy... He said, Randy, it was going to be a closed casket service. So the family asked him if he would come back with just the family and the close friends before they shut the casket, if he would just come back with them. And he said he would. And he said, Randy, before we close the casket I asked him, could I read a scripture? And he said, the scripture I read was Psalm 62, verse 8. Here's what it says. Pour out your heart to God. For he's a refuge for you. My friend said that after he read that scripture, And he was back there with the parents who had lost their 16-year-old son. That he actually remembered hearing the father of the son say, God, how could you? The very same person who said, well, we guess God needed him more than we do. Finally had reached a place where he questioned God. God, how could you? How could you take my son? Because, see, here's the thing. It has to be authentic. It has to be an authentic prayer. He had to be that father who prayed that prayer. Because here's the thing. Dealing with those feelings that he was having on the inside, it was actually the beginning of healing and the healing process for that family. And I don't think God would have wanted anything else. So speak honestly to God. Because Jeremiah concluded his prayer a while ago that we looked at. How did he conclude that prayer? By cursing his own birthday. And if you read the story, God actually says, Okay, Jeremiah, are you ready to get back to work? Because I've got some words that I need you to speak. And after Jeremiah had got those words off of his heart, he said, okay, God, let's go. But you see, here's the thing. He had to get it all out first. So let me encourage you. When you pray, don't edit your prayer. Don't sanitize your prayer. Be open, be honest, be authentic, and be transparent with God. God already knows how you feel. He knows what you're feeling on the inside. Pray exactly what you feel. Be open and honest with your prayers. Here's the last question. What do I do when I feel like my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling? Come on, somebody. How do I respond when I feel like my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling? What do I do when I feel like my prayers aren't getting anywhere? Well, can I just tell you something? If you feel like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling, it's okay. You know why? because God's right there in the room with you. He's right there. God doesn't live on the second floor. Somebody needs to get this. He doesn't live up there somewhere. He lives inside of you. He's inside of us. But see, the idea of prayer is that we're, we're launching these requests up there somewhere but we have to realize that He's here. Look at Hebrews 13, verse 5. God says, I'll never leave you, and I'll never forget you. Matthew 28, verse 20. I will be with you always. See, we have treated God like He's a vending machine. At some strategic location. He's somebody that we're going to find at a strategic place. But that's not true. He's wherever you are. He's wherever you are. Whenever you need Him. Would you bow your heads this morning and just let me pray with you and pray over you? God, there are literally hundreds of other questions that I have. Questions that have been proposed to me, questions that have been given to me. Questions that people want to know the answers to. And today that was just a start for us to try to understand something we all struggle with. It's prayer. It's talking to you, God. It's understanding how we can communicate better with you. So, God, my prayer this morning is that we take these six or eight questions that we've looked at and we just kind of sit in the answers that I've provided because it's my perspective, biblical perspective from me that hopefully my perspective and the scripture to back up those perspectives will be something that will encourage your people to be more open and honest and willing to enter into conversation with you. To be open and honest about the things that are bothering them and are troubling them. To realize that it's not a fancy formula. It's not trying to get things from you God. But prayer is actually trying to get closer to you, living in community with you, that communion that goes on day by day by day. We want to be the people that you've called us to be, doing the things that you've called us to do. We want to hear your voice and follow you, because that's who you are the God who makes a way when there doesn't seem to be a way. And God, we love you this morning as we pray this prayer in Jesus' name.
1: Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My own defense, my righteousness. Oh, God, how I need you. Can we stand together? We're sin- runs deep your gracious is where grace is found is where Temptation comes my way. When I cannot stand, I fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay.